Hey everybody, welcome to another Ithaca Bound podcast episode. I'm your host, Andrew Schiestel, and this is the podcast where we explore history and mythology in the Mediterranean Basin. I'm joined today with Dr. Alejandro Garcia San Juan for a conversation about the Emirate of Cordoba, an Islamic-oriented state that existed in the 8th to 10th centuries and had hegemony over most of the Iberian Peninsula. In the conversation, we're going to speak about how it started, how it functioned as a form of government, and why the emirate began to call itself a caliphate in the 10th century. Dr. Garcia San Juan is Associate Professor, University of Huelva, based in Spain. He specializes in the history of Al-Andalus. He's written many publications over his career, including authoring the book, Till God Inherits the Earth, Islamic Pious Endowments in Al-Andalus, 9 to 15th Centuries, which was published by Brill, and he co-edited the book, what was the Islamic conquest of Iberia? Understanding the new debate, which was published by Routledge. And Dr. Garcia San Juan joins us today from Sevilla, Spain. Welcome to call, Alejandro. Hi. Thank you. All right. It's great to chat with you today. Let's start with uh, more of a summary type question to create context for the conversation, and then we can work our way through the topic. What was the Emirate of Cordoba? Um, well, generally speaking, the Emirate of Cordoba was uh, a medieval Islamic state in Iberia, um, which uh, represents the initial stage in the drawn-out uh, presence of Arab and Islamic culture in Iberia, uh, lasting uh, nearly 800 years in total, between uh, uh, 711 and uh, 1492, uh, which is the fall of uh, Granada, the city of Granada, the last uh, Islamic stronghold in Iberia. So the Emirate was founded in 756 by a member of the Arab Umayyad dynasty and uh, ended up uh, in 929 when uh, another member of the dynasty uh, proclaimed himself cave. Uh, this was uh, Abdurrahman III. So um, it means that the Emirate of Cordoba lasted uh, 173 years in total, although the Umayyad uh, dynasty ruled for much longer, really, nearly uh, three centuries, centuries in total, between 756 and 1031, in two different periods. I mean, first the Emirate, uh, and then uh, the, the caliphate. Okay, and I had a very enjoyable conversation with um, Dr. Brian Katlos uh, a few weeks ago on uh, the Umayyad Caliphate gaining hegemony initially in the Iberian Peninsula. So we talked more about that uh, around the 7, 7-11 as the, as the year um, when they crossed the strait and then worked their way up the um, peninsula. So that was around, let's just call it roughly 7-11, and then, you know, they're, they're gaining territory at that point in time. Uh, and, you know, I'm using, you know, roughly uh, over the next 20-some years or the next couple decades. So how, how do we get from that point of uh, the Umayyad Caliphate gaining hegemony initially in Iberia around the early 700s to an emirate being formed, I believe you said, in 756? Well, um, I think in order to, to gain a right understanding 
mm-hmm. of the origins of the Emirate, uh, we must look at uh, two basic issues. Uh, first, as you uh, pointed out, the arrival of Islam uh, in Iberia, and second, the Umayyad dynasty. Uh, okay. and the, uh, the Muslims arrived in, in Iberia in 711, in southern Iberia from northern Africa. And uh, in the course of a, of a few years, they managed to gain control of most of the Iberian territory, although uh, large parts of the northernmost area uh, were left out of their control. So um, the Islamic conquest of Iberia is part of the expansion of Islam that uh, took place after the death of uh, the Prophet Muhammad, and uh, leading to the consolidation of a vast Islamic empire that culminated uh, precisely under the rule of the Umayyad dynasty. So um, the Islamic conquest of Iberia took place precisely over the Umayyad period, uh, more exactly under the rule of the sixth Umayyad caliph, uh, Walid. And um, while initially Al-Andalus was part of the Umayyad caliphate uh, or the Umayyad empire, and uh, this was the name, Al-Andalus was the name given to Iberia by the Arabs. Uh, And the Umayyads were uh, the first uh, Arab caliphal dynasty, in fact. Uh, Before the Umayyads, uh, there were uh, the so-called Orthodox uh, caliphs, uh, the first uh, successors of Prophet Muhammad. And uh, the Umayyads were the first dynasty, uh, which basically means that uh, they handed over power from father uh, to son. So this is the context uh, where, um, let's say, the the arrival of Muslims uh, to Iberia uh, took place. Okay. In these early years, was there considered, is there considered to be a difference between Al-Andalus and the Emirate of Cordoba in the early years? Um, well, um, uh, Al-Andalus was uh, initially part of the Umayyad Caliphate. And uh, as I said, uh, Al-Andalus uh, was the name, the Arabic name uh, of Ayyub. Uh, but initially, the Umayyads uh, didn't rule directly over the uh, territory. Uh, the capital of their empire was in the Middle East. It, it was Damascus. And uh, Al-Andalus uh, actually was just one of the territories of their empire, uh, which uh, they basically controlled through governors uh, appointed by them. Uh, in fact, Al-Andalus was the most remote uh, west, the, the westernmost part of the uh, empire uh, in, 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 in the western territories and um, was, uh, to a certain extent, it was uh, always a, let's say, a bit marginal uh, area. Uh, mm-hmm. Since the year 756, the Umayyads began to rule directly in Cordoba. And um, the change from an indirect government to a direct government was because um, uh, the arrival to Iberia of one of the members of the Umayyad dynasty in very specific uh, circumstances. 
Um, to make a long story short, I will simply say that uh, in the mid-8th century, Umayyads were violently, violently overthrown by another Arab dynasty, the Abbasids, um, who, and, and they held the caliphate uh, for a number of centuries. Um, from, from that moment on, uh, the Abbasids launched, let's say, a systematic crackdown uh, campaign against the Umayyads. Uh, obviously, with the aim of uh, wiping them out. Um, basically, because any member of the Umayyad dynasty was uh, a potential rival for them uh, to, uh, to, you know, help uh, to hold the caliphate. So, in, in these uh, precise uh, circumstances, uh, one of the members of the uh, Umayyad dynasty fled uh, from the Middle East, and he arrived uh, in Iberia uh, in the mid-8th century. Okay, and I believe you said his name earlier, but just to, um, for certainty, for clarification, who was that? It was Abdurrahman I. Okay, all right. So he is fleeing, uh, and he was part of the Umayyad Caliphate. Um, Umayyad Caliphate is overthrown by the Abbasid Caliphate, he flees, and then he comes to the Iberian Peninsula. It's the mid-8th century at that point. Uh, what's known about where he, he goes? And I don't want to be presu presumptive with it, um, with the term Cordoba, but does he go to the, the city of Cordoba? How does, how does the name uh, Cordoba come into this um, picture? And where does he uh, create his uh, capital, if you will, of the emirate? Okay, well, um, first, uh, the name uh, Cordoba uh, comes from the Latin. Cordoba was, like most of the Iberian cities, was a, a Roman origin uh, city. So it was uh, founded by the Romans um, because uh, Iberia obviously was part of the Roman Empire uh, over uh, many centuries. So. Um, um, ever since the Muslims arrived in Iberia, they basically settled in Cordoba as, or they, they took Cordoba as their capital city. Mm. And um, another thing is that um, Abdurrahman the first uh, was in fact uh, the first uh, Umayyad member who came to Iberia. So the Umayyads were initially in the Middle East, they were in Damascus, and Abdurrahman came to uh, Iberia, or he came to the uh, western part of the uh, Umayyad Empire, because, basically because he was the son of um, a Berber woman from a Berber tribe from northern Africa. So um, he had a number of uh, followers and um, members of his family in uh, Northern Africa. And from there, from uh, Northern Africa, he, uh, he set foot in, uh, in Iberia. Um, because of the high political prestige of his dynasty, he soon managed to uh, get enough support 
from the Arab uh, aristocracy here in Iberia. And the Arab aristocracy was, of course, the uh, leading social class. And then he soon became the new ruler in, in Cordoba. Uh, he arrived in Iberia in uh, September 755, uh, and by May 756, uh, he defeated his main rivals and entered Cordoba, becoming uh, the new ruler. Okay. So the Emirate of Cordoba is formed. Can you describe on a map what its territory geographically would uh, have been demarcated to? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, ever since the beginning of their arrival in Iberia, the Arabs uh, gave uh, the territory the name Al-Andalus. Um, the etymological origins of this name remain uh, a challenge for the experts. We still don't know with full certainty what is the origins of these? What are the origins of this name? Uh, but uh, whatever the case may be, Al-Andalus uh, was the name of the whole Iberian territory. And as I said, it, it is in fact, or it was in fact, the, the Arabic name uh, of Iberia. Um, in this regard, it was the, uh, let's say, the Arabic equivalent of Hispania, uh, which is the Latin name of uh, Iberia. Um, the Arab authors uh, frequently uh, use the expression Jazira al-Andalus, which means the peninsula of Al-Andalus. So Al-Andalus basically was Iberia. However, uh, the Muslims never managed to control the whole of the Iberian territory. Uh, this was... Um, the result of the Islamic conquest, in fact, which was very swift, but let's say imperfect, in the sense that um, the conquest provoked the uh, uh, wipeout of the Visigothic kingdom of Toledo, but um, it didn't allow the Muslims to take control of the entire Iberian territory. So the Emirs of Cordoba ruled over most of the Iberian territory, but not over the entire Iberian territory. Arguably, uh, they controlled, let's say, two thirds of Iberia, um, including the most uh, economically important areas, which is basically, uh, let's say, the uh, the valleys of the Ebro and Guadalquivir rivers. Uh, the Ebro river is in the northern, northernmost part of Iberia. And the Guadalquivir river is on the south in, uh, in present day uh, Andalusia. And uh, these two were the richest, uh, the richest areas from the point of view of agricultural production. And um, likewise, the, uh, the Emirate, uh, held control of the Mediterranean coasts, uh, which were the most important uh, maritime ports uh, in, uh, in Iberia, uh, so uh, uh, at that mm. point. Um, whilst because the Islamic conquest uh, was incomplete, as I said, um, different political entities began to progressively take shape in the area uh, outside uh, Umayyad sovereignty. I mean, in the area located uh, in the northernmost part of Iberia. Uh, already in the 8th century, a 
political and military rivalry began to develop uh, between the emirs of Cordoba and the emergent Christian powers uh, in the northernmost uh, territory. So despite their superiority, uh, the emirs of Cordoba um, never tried really to uh, take control of these territories. Um, at what exact moment uh, the Muslims uh, figured out it would be better for them to leave the Christians in their lands, we really don't know. This is uh, actually, uh, let's say, a sort of conundrum that uh, we historians have to grapple with. Okay. Do, do you know if um, Al-Rahman I, who founded uh, the Emirate of Cordoba, do you know if he initially was using a term that um, obviously we're speaking in English, uh, em emirate? Was he calling it an emirate um, in the proper translation? Or do you know if he was calling it still a caliphate? In other words, was he trying to maintain the Umayyad uh, caliphate, the uh, that, that legacy? Or did he call this new kingdom, if you will, uh, something new. Yes. Well, um, the Umayyads uh, had been overthrown in the Middle East by the Abbasids. Um, therefore, obviously, it was not uh, it was not to be expected uh, that uh, after uh, his triumph in Al Andalus, uh, Abdurrahman the first would pay obedience to the new caliphs to the Abbasids. Um, in fact, when he came to power, he took a very significant step in this regard. He ordered that the name of the caliph should not be invoked in the khutbah, right? Mm. Okay, the khutbah is the sermon given in the mosque before the collective prayer on Friday. And invoking the sovereign's name is mandatory according to the Islamic tradition. So therefore, uh, it was let's say, crystal clear for, from the outset that uh, Al-Andalus was an independent territory uh, mm. of, of the Abbasid Caliphate and that the Umayyad rulers of Cordoba did not recognize the authority of the uh, Baghdad Caliphs, the Abbasid Caliphs. Uh, however, at the same time, the Umayyads had to adapt uh, their rule to the new circumstances. So in Damascus, the Umayyads were the caves, um, the, let's say, the Muhammad's uh, successors in the leadership of the Muslim community. But in Al-Andalus, they were just local rulers with no real possibility of claiming the caliphate. Uh, the, the caliphate represents the government of the entire Muslim community, and therefore uh, the Umayyads were uh, just the rulers uh, of Al-Andalus. Um, of course, they never gave up their status as caliphs, and in fact, uh, from the year 929, the Umayyads of Cordoba claimed again the title of caliphs, but they they never did it before. Okay, and we'll probably, uh, in this chat, get to the around the 929 uh, period, but that was a great answer. Um, Okay, so can you speak a bit about then how the emirate functioned day to day um, from a commerce 
perspective, um, when they were gaining territory, um, what occurred with the uh, citizens? Did they did they leave? Was was uh, did they um, uh, have a certain response to them? Was there a policy when they were gaining new territory? Can you speak more about how the actual emirate functioned in the Iberia Peninsula? Well, um, the Umayyad Emirate um, can be fairly described as a classical medieval Islamic state um, in which uh, the only recognized political authority is that of uh, the ruler, the emir, and the leader uh, of the Ummah. And um, he rules over his subjects and has the exclusive right to tax collection. This is a crucial feature because the entire organization of the state and uh, the society is based on tax collection, which the ruler uses basically to pay the army and maintain the borders, uh, as well as to finance the administration uh, of the state itself. Uh, beyond that, the emir rules over both Muslims and non-Muslim subjects, because the Islamic tradition does not allow, in theory, forced conversions to Islam. So Iberia is believed to have been a Christian country before the arrival of the Arabs, and it holds likewise true that the Visigothic monarchy may be described uh, to a large extent as a Christian monarchy in which the church played a key social and even political role. So non-Muslims, therefore, were allowed to leave under Islamic rule, and they held a special legal status as protected people, as they call them. Um, these statues uh, allow them to keep their religious beliefs and places of worship. Uh, arguably, to a certain extent, they formed, let's say, autonomous communities with their own religious authorities and their own rules regarding, let's say, their own internal matters. Uh, so, therefore, there was arguably a certain religious tolerance towards uh, non-Muslims, but certainly not tolerance in the sense that we understand uh, today. Uh, tolerance back then was not, uh, of course, equal rights, uh, since uh, uh, non-Muslims did, did not, didn't have the same rights as uh, uh, Muslims, obviously. Uh, beyond that, um, like all pre-capitalist uh, societies, Al-Andalus developed as a, an agrarian-based country in which most of the economic production came from uh, peasant labor and most of the population lived in rural territories. Uh, however, the Emirate of Cordoba witnessed an important, uh, remarkably important urban development uh, first and foremost, in the city of Cordoba itself, which progressively became um, uh, the, the most uh, important urban center in southern Europe, and even uh, in, in the western Mediterranean. Um, while most of the cities, as I mentioned before, had uh, Roman origins, such as the case of Cordoba, uh, the Muslims likewise uh, founded new cities uh, over the Emirate period. Uh, for example, among them, uh, Murcia or Badajoz. 
Interesting. Um, because of the importance uh, reached by cities and urban life, uh, commercial and uh, artisan activity greatly developed in Al-Andalus. And in fact, uh, it became a hallmark of Al-Andalus, both in front of their North African Berber neighbors and their Northern Christian Iberian neighbor, neighbors alike, um, where urban life was, was much less uh, developed. Um, on the other hand, urban life is closely related to the development of culture, intellectual activity, uh, uh, thinking and architecture, among other things. And uh, uh, in this regard, uh, I think the most important uh, architectonic achievement of the Umayyad Emirate was uh, the Mosque of Cordoba, which is by far, I think, the most sophisticated building uh, uh, ever existed, not only in Iberia, but throughout Europe and North Africa between the 8th and the 10th centuries. So did a lot of um, people that were there prior to the hegemony taking place by the um, Umayyad Caliphate and then the Emirate of Cordoba, did a lot of the people, is it presumed a lot of the people stayed? then who might have had let's say christian beliefs and they they it wasn't like everyone left the iberian peninsula and went north for instance is it believed that a lot of people stayed and carried on life but they uh and and um you didn't say this specifically but i want to clarify you did mention taxes um they were i've read this before they were taxed higher if they did not uh convert to a muslim belief system was that one of the uh ways they were treated um separately um, well, first, uh, of course, uh, most of the population, the local population, uh, remained in, in their places after the Islamic conquest. So mm -hmm. the main basis of the population in Al-Andalus was local. Of course, there, there were um, foreign uh, settlers, uh, both Arabs and Berbers, North African Berbers, but uh, the bulk of the um, population in Al-Andalus was uh, from local origins. And um, secondly, yes, there were uh, different uh, tax systems for Muslims and non-Muslims. Um, it is, um, let's say, um, a matter of debate uh, to what extent um, uh, non-Muslims were uh, uh, were taxed, uh, were imposed, um, let's say, heaviest, uh, uh, heavier taxes. And, um, but uh, it holds true that uh, the, the uh, tax system was um, different um, and based on uh, religious uh, premises. Okay. Is it safe to say that culture really flourished in this in this time on um within the emirate of cordoba during this period of time that they were ruling would you go as far as saying that culture flourished in terms of the arts um maybe even bringing in some um uh the, like the sciences and things and if 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 you would go as far as saying that why do you think that happened yes i i, I i'd rather say that um, uh culture flourished, uh, basically because uh, of, as I mentioned, uh, urban life, um, you know, reached a 
good level of uh, development in Andalus, generally speaking. So urban life is the main basis for uh, the, practic the practice of, uh, let's say, intellectual activities. And uh, in this regard, um, it holds likewise true that the, Uma uh, the Umayyad uh, Emirate is the earliest uh, period of the history of Al-Andalus. And um, uh, I think um, in all likelihood we find a um, more or a greater development of uh, intellectual and cultural activities in further uh, historical periods. Um, uh, I'm thinking in, basically in the Caliphate period or the uh, Taifa period in the 11th century. But yes, we find uh, some, uh, let's say, cultural or uh, uh, even artistic achievements uh, in the uh, Emirate period, and I mentioned, for example, the construction of uh, uh, this uh, singular building, which is the uh, the mosque of uh, Cordoba, which was first built by uh, the founder of the uh, Umayyad Emirate of Al-Andalus, uh, the Umayyad Emirate of Cordoba, Abd Rahman I, and then um, it uh, underwent uh, successive um, um, enlargements and uh, reforms uh, um, by the hand of uh, different uh, Umayyad uh, rulers between the Emirate and the Caliphate periods. So, um, uh, yes, I think um, definitely we, we, may, we might speak in terms of a uh, cultural or intellectual uh, flourishment in, in, uh, in Iberia over the Emirate period, uh, we have, we, we, may, we may mention uh, some uh, specific names. For example, it is well known, I think, the name of uh, Abbas Ibn Fernaz, who is, uh, 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 generally speaking, he is considered as a, um, uh, let's say, a forerunner of uh, aviation history. He is considered, mm. uh, considered mm. one of the uh, earliest uh, gliders, he tried to uh, create a, uh, let's say, some kind of device for uh, for flying. Uh, mm -hmm. So he was an expert in uh, the fields of uh, astronomy and uh, engineering. And we have to bear in mind that uh, at, this same, at the same time, in the Middle East, the uh, um, caliphate, uh, the Abbasid caliphate, um, developed a, uh, an enormous uh, cultural activity, much greater than uh, in Al-Andalus, of course, but the influence, uh, this, uh, inf this cultural influence, uh, somehow uh, likewise affected or impacted in, uh, in the westernmost part of uh, uh, the Islamic uh, empire. So um, in, in, in Al-Andalus, in this case, so yes, uh, definitely we uh, we may speak in terms of a certain uh, cultural and uh, uh, artistic development in Al-Andalus. Okay. Did the Emirate ever have, or did they ever develop a congenial relationship with the Abbasid Caliphate at all during the this period of time, or were the two parties considered uh, antithetical to each other? 
Well, yes, um, um, for the most part, and they um, they remained. Uh, they, I think they they drifted apart. Really, uh, they remained as two separate uh, political uh, entities, and um, they, there was a great uh, mistrust uh, from the side of the Umayyads towards uh, the Abbasids because, as I mentioned before, the Abbasids, uh, from the very beginning, they tried to wipe out the Umayyad dynasty. So um, the Umayyads developed a, a profound uh, mistrust uh, on the uh, Abbasid dynasty to the point that uh, they uh, consistently refused to uh, fulfill the duty of pilgrimage to the holy cities of Islam because obviously they were afraid of, you know, uh, being caught uh, and um, uh, so um, they, uh, uh, I repeat today, uh, they developed a, a great, uh, very profound uh, uh, rejection of the uh, uh, Abbasid Caliphate. Okay. You mentioned earlier, I believe it was 929 as a year, there was a claim of this uh, area uh, becoming a caliphate. Can you speak more about that event? Oh, yes, sure. Um, well, um, the Caliphate um, represents the second stage of the Umayyad rule in Iberia, uh, stretching over a century uh, between 929 and 1031. Um, as I mentioned uh, earlier, the Umayyads uh, were a Caliphal dynasty, and they, they had never given up uh, their right to wield the Caliphate. Uh, however, since uh, their effective political dominion was limited to a small territory within the general framework of the Islamic world of the time, it, it would have been pointless and even ridiculous to claim the caliphate in such uh, circumstances. Uh, however, at the beginning of the 10th century, uh, circumstances, political circumstances uh, radically changed uh, in the Islamic West. And this led the Umayyad sovereign, uh, Rahman III, to proclaim himself caliph in Cordoba in 929. This change came hand in hand with the proclamation in Northern Africa of a new Shiite uh, caliphate, the Fatimid caliphate ruled by a dynasty that claimed direct descent from the Prophet Muhammad. And the Fatimids initially ruled um, in uh, what is today Tunisia, but they soon began to expand uh, westwards, uh, reached what is today uh, Algeria's, uh, Algiers, mm -hmm. which is just... Uh, around 300 kilometers away from southern Iberia. So uh, the Fatimids, therefore, uh, really challenged the supremacy of the Umayyads in the Islamic West. And uh, let's say in order to redress uh, that political imbalance, uh, Abdul Rahman III uh, decided to proclaim himself uh, caliph in 929. Okay. Uh, Was Rahman III 
a descendant of Raman I, who founded the Emirate of Cordoba. And was he part of the Fatimid Caliphate? Uh, yes, sure. Um, all the uh, uh, members of the Umayyad uh, dynasty uh, uh, belong to the same family. So uh, Abd al-Rahman III uh, was a direct descendant of uh, Abd al-Rahman I. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, what was the second question? Sorry. Was, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, Rahman III, was he part of the, um, the Fatimid um, caliphate that had formed in northern uh, Africa? I want to confirm that point as well. You mean Abd al-Rahman III? Yes. No, Abd al-Rahman III was initially the eighth uh, Umayyad emir of Cordoba. Okay. And he started uh, ruling in, um, in 909, uh, sorry, 912. Uh, but in 929, he decided to proclaim himself caliph because of the, uh, let's say, the challenge uh, of the uh, Fatimids in Northern Africa. So uh, proclaiming himself Caliph was his, uh, let's say his answer to the, Fatim uh, to the Fatimids uh, to say, okay, I'm here. I'm, I am, I'm a member of a Caliphal dynasty. Um, um, I'm not allowing you to, you know, to uh, take over the Islamic West because uh, he considered himself to be the most important ruler in that in this part of the Islamic uh, territories. Okay, I'm glad I asked the clarification question and and that you answered it in the way you did. That's great. Okay, so let's work our way to uh, some wind up questions then, and, and focus a little bit more on the on the 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 ending, the cessation of the Emirate of Cordoba. So does the um, proclamation of Raman III of uh, the Cordoba, that territory becoming a, a caliphate, does that mark uh, the cessation of the emirate or Cord of Cordoba? Or is there a different uh, event that marks the completion of the emirate of Cordoba? Well, I mean, uh, basically the caliphate is the continuation uh, of uh, the emirate because it was the uh, the same dynasty mm -hmm. actually uh, as i mentioned uh, earlier uh, abd rahman the third was first uh, the ex umayyad emir of cordoba and he later became the first umayyad caliph of cordoba so he just let's say changed his um, consideration as a ruler and he proclaimed himself caliph so he um, uh, invoked the, uh, let's say, the utmost uh, Islamic institution, which is the caliphate, uh, because he had the right to do so, uh, since he was a member of a caliphal dynasty. The Umayyads were uh, a caliphal dynasty, so he, uh, he thought he had the right to do so. But it's basically the same... Uh, uh, the same state, the same Islamic state, uh, but the, the main difference is just that uh, uh, the ruler uh, was first the emir, but now 
since uh, ever since 929 or between 929 and 1031 uh, he was the caliph yeah you got the point across so how many years then would at that point from 929 how many years would the uh, the caliphate in uh, in the Iberia Iberian peninsula have hegemony how many more years would they reign well, um, uh, in general, the caliphate lasted uh, one century between 929 and 1031, as they mentioned. And this is the peak moment of Islam in Iberia, um, in the sense that um, uh, the Muslims uh, hold uh, full uh, political and military supremacy over their Christian neighbors. Uh, northern Christian neighbors, and um, likewise, uh, they developed a, a strong rivalry with the Fatimids, in, with the Fatimids in northern Africa. So this is the um, uh, obviously the moment when uh, the rulers of Cordoba were uh, by far the most powerful um, rulers in Nigeria. You did a great job today, Alejandro, uh, answering some very uh, large questions inside of a uh, uh, somewhat of a short period of time. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with everyone today. Thank you very much for your invitation. My pleasure. Okay, everybody. Dr. Garcia San Juan is uh, author of the couple books that I mentioned at the, or has written the couple books that I had mentioned at the start of the episode. I'll mention them again. Uh, he's author of Till God Inherits the Earth, Islamic Pious Endowments in Al-Andalus, 9 to 15th centuries. And he's a co-editor of What Was the Islamic Conquest of Iberia? Understanding the New Debate. I'll drop links to both the books in the show notes on the IthacaBound.com's associated subpage to this episode. Alejandro and everybody listening, as always, wishing you a marvelous journey. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Hey again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and I wish you a bountiful rest of your day. Bye for now.